Hello, welcome to the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. We're bringing together the best gaming leaders from across the Nordic region to discuss industry passions, challenges, and ideas. My name is Melanie, and I connect businesses with talented freelancers in the gaming industry. Today, I'm joined by Felipe, Thomas, and Carlos. Uh, but before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Um, Carlos, do you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. So as you said, my name is Carlos and I look after the community and the content teams in, here at King, which basically means um, help centers, forums, and, and sort of acting as the bridge between what players say um, and what the studios um, do and, and also communicate themselves. I've been here for five years, but I've been in the industry for around nine years, and I've always been doing something to community, players, and, and uh, yeah, I've touched many different genres, but um, I'm really enjoying it now with the casual gaming industry and uh, the player base that they have. Lovely. Thomas? Hey guys, uh, good to meet you all. My name is Thomas. Uh, I am the head of marketing for Systemic Reaction, uh, which is um, one of the creative divisions within Avalanche Studios Group. Um, I've been with uh, Systemic for uh, two years. Uh, prior to that, uh, I was working uh, at the Stockholm-based developer Arrowhead. And um, before that, uh, I was working uh, at the Activision. So yeah, super excited about this topic and, and really looking forward to delve into it with, with you guys. Lovely. And then uh, finally, Felipe. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Felipe Briones, and I am the head of brand marketing at Ten Chambers, uh, working with everything from brand development, uh, campaigns, marketing strategies, etc. cetera. Uh, been working here for two years plus. And, and yeah, otherwise I've been working a lot in FMCG companies in the past uh, and and tried a lot of cool stuff there that I've been using in, in uh, the games marketing area. Lovely jubbly. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, a Nordic Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. So now that we know who you guys are, let's crack on with our topic today. So everyone has a question uh, based on insights-driven marketing. How can we learn more to market games better? So as usual, we'll go around the room, uh, asking each person to pose their question and the context behind it. And then everyone will have the opportunity to give their take on the situation. So let's start with Thomas and your question, please. Yes, absolutely. So, so my question and my take on this is uh, actually quite so process uh, focused. Um, so something that uh, I think makes this an interesting topic uh, at large, player insights and, and uh, customer insights is that this is really something that if you are a marketeer, regardless of what industry you're in, you will have to sort of face up to player insights and customer insights in some way. Uh, there's no way you can essentially do a good job without really understanding who you're making this for and why they should care, essentially. So that's really where, where I'm coming from um, with this. So, so obviously, th this is something I'm, I'm spending a lot of time thinking about, like what are good processes to ensure that we sort of keep understanding our players, keep sort of understanding how they are evolving, and then obviously then evolve with them. Um, so, so essentially, my, my question is just that, like, what does your process look like for, for gathering insights uh, about your players? And, uh, and maybe we can start with, with you, uh, Carlos, and, and I'm super interested to hear sort of your, your take on this. Sure. Um, I, think, I think it's a it's a great question and also a great topic because it's so um, difficult to to measure. You know, it's not it's not a very solid science, so to say, and and that 
actually contributes a lot to the extra thinking um, that you were referring to before. Um, I think our process uh, starts with with anonymization of, of player feedback. Um, that's something that we take very seriously here at King. So that's like step one. And then once the feedback is anonymized, um, comes what I would call compilation. Uh, we have many, 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 many players, and they speak in many ways, and they also speak in many places. So we try to compile what players say in in one single in one single place. And then we try and gather um, through social listening tools that we use um, what it is they're they're all saying all around those those different channels. We then use filters um, to try and analyze specific topics, and then what we do there and would probably sort of act as as the last bit in terms of gathering insights is that we process all of that information and we just convert it into <clears throat> excuse me into a simpler presentation. Um, and that we can, you know, that way we can feed it back to the to the right stakeholders um, mm-hmm. internally. That sort of allows us to, you know, um, allows the stakeholders to know better what players say um, and use that, in my opinion, as another source of information, which I think is important to to consider as another source of information and not just the sole and only source of information, so that they can take it into account when making decisions around the development of the games. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, that answers your question. <laughs> no, no, definitely. Uh, I, I think, and, and I, I think I have a, a few follow-ons on that. So immediately, it's interesting how obviously your guys' our focus is a bit different from, I guess, a sort of mobile-first perspective versus our uh, the world of PC console, where where I find my, myself. Uh, but but I, I don't know. Maybe maybe Felipe, you, you want to sort of give your perspective as uh, as well. Uh, so we have sort of the the full range. Yeah. Um... And I, I guess there is a difference between that because uh, our results when we when we look at PC and console obviously are, are not attributed as ECS uh, mobile games. But when when I, I I think when gathering insight something that is connected like uh, Carlos mentioned with social listening tools, uh, it's also very uh, interesting because depending on how the organization is built and which pe- which people are working in the team that's also a part of the process i think depending on what type of insight you want because everyone would have their area of responsibility and i think a social team would hear something a performance person could see other things depending on the creative ad and then you also have the the people the programmers and stuff where you can actually go and ask something about the game like how did this perform what did they what how long did they play this level what weapons did they use um and also try to put everything together in a box and then translate it to something that could be beneficial to um, for those insights to actually take actions on campaigns, marketing activities, rebranding or whatever it is. So I think I think a process that is super important is identifying the different areas that needs to be um, like a pipeline where you gather in mm-hmm. the information and making sure that they do the, the part that they need to do and then that there is a person that actually can use that data to um, to read it and and uh, and be transparent with the with the uh, with the other parts of the teams that need to know about the specific thing that needs to be done and so on. So I think that's something that is super important to to really make that. And obviously, you also have the the player re- uh, research and market segmentations, but that's also depending on budget, right? If you have mm-hmm. a specific budget, if you have time to do those things, uh, and if it's in your marketing strategy that you need to do something within the six months or a year. Um, but I think there are quick ways and long-term ways, and then also the specific individuals that need to gather that type of information. No, definitely. I think um, just following up on that, the notion about sort of the different stakeholders, if you will, or or the different, uh, I mean, departments also in in a in a large large organization. That that is a that's a point very well made because the way for this actually to work, I mean, for the the data we collect and the information we collect to actually become a meaningful insight to someone, it then require it requires to actually get into the hands of the right uh, right. Uh, person who can make the right decision and actually then uh, influence the, I mean, the, essentially the development of the game, if that, if that is the uh, the kind of insights that's been being gathered. And um, that I think is is uh, not always a, a easy task. So I think it's really 
it's really a good point um and and i think actually maybe may a good sign for us to something we would discuss uh later in uh, in this conversation uh, as well i think that was what your question was alluded to um but i should just mention from our point of view or my point of view how i how i think about like the the sort of the process uh itself and um i mean it's you know, quite similar but but with some distinctions i think from uh, what you guys uh, mentioned so for me I, I try to look at it in in two different ways so i i have one one way of thinking about this or recurring <laughs> the recurring um gathering of of insights so there i i think it's important to to be consistent so a typical a typical example would be like a say a monthly report or or maybe a weekly but the recurring sort of gathering process um, there, I, f- I found it quite useful to to try to to establish um, the metrics you want to have a look at uh, early, and then be consistent so that you can measure them uh, over time. And you use that sort of recurring uh, information gathering to detect essentially trends. Uh, and to me, like there's always a trade-off because these kind of report or information gathering exercises they become a bit blunt by necessity because like if, if you do it on a monthly basic basis for example you will not get the sort of the nuances that you would get from a specific campaign report but to me that's that is okay as long as you sort of know what to to use it for uh so so that's something that i've been so when we're working through and together with my teams um, to figure out how to how to best sort of set up a, a, a recurring information gathering process that allows us to sort of understand okay the things we're doing are they making a difference are we actually you know moving any metrics in any meaningful way and the best way we have sort of uh, arrived at is to essentially structure those um, processes based on, on player funnel uh, so essentially we, we sort of we start off looking at the top of the funnel figure out all right awareness met- metrics like what is it that we think uh, is a good indicator of our success in creating awareness of the product we try to market uh, and then you know you just go down the ladder to, to like um, sort of the uh, the middle of the funnel like, okay what here is a good indication for people actually you know starting to consider us like they're, they're starting to take, to take some meaningful action to you know engage with our brands you know follow us on social and or whatever <clears throat> and then sort of down to the to the bottom of the funnel, which is usually you know a conversion metric of some sort. And and then obviously in our industry, um, the bottom of the funnel uh, is of, is obviously where we have all the community efforts as well. So that's that's super important. But we sort of you know try to structure our thinking and and, and information gathering along those steps. I, I found that quite quite useful. But that sort of to me and and, and my experience is that that is only useful this recurring sort of reports or processes if you will are only useful if you then also match them with like those more specific um exercises where you'd be like right now i need to actually answer a specific question like i need to figure out how did this campaign perform and there you can sort of allow yourself to be much more specific use use kpis that are you know super specific to the to the thing that you that you try to to achieve and I think I noticed there is that there are some quite good like practical synergies between them. Um, so, I mean, I think something that I, as I guess most marketers struggle with, is um, figuring out the, the the right goals. Uh, like, what what is actually a, a good uh, goal for this this campaign or this activity? And by having that sort of more recurring. Uh, information gathering process you always have something to look back to you can refer back to you can be like all right how did you actually perform back in october last year and be like all right these are actually the levels that we did uh then do we think that this activity will do worse or better and so on so i think it's, it's quite it's quite practical quite hands-on but that's something that i i found uh, quite uh, quite useful and and just just to sort of wrap up the the part about the sort of the specific activities or the specific um information gathering i i have found uh surveys ridiculously useful i cannot recommend that high enough <laughs> um i don't know maybe because it's closer to, to your your home turf i guess you're sort of clo- even closer to the community than, than me and felipe are but man it's um it's such a strong potential to actually you know actually start 
talking and, and and asking the community the player base in our instance like what what do they like what what didn't they like and i mean obviously it, it can inform the development of the game but it can also inform so much more essentially our marketing our uh, strategies and and i think it's something that's I think it's quite often overlooked. I don't know. Maybe maybe this is my own bias, but I, I think that is a overlooked or, or sort of underutilized tool. So I really also want to sort of uh, highlight that, that that my experience is that that is a very important part of the of the process. Yeah, I want to I want to jump in. I love that you use the word inform um, because I think it's something you know whether it is whether it is surveys or or any at the end. Um, I, I agree. I think surveys are a great tool. Um, but at the end, what you're what you're trying with a survey or what you're trying with any of these different options is to communicate, uh, which is the whole point, right? To talk with with the people behind the games and like the people playing the games and understand them better. Um, and and I was saying that I like the word inform because because what I what I think this is all about is about enriching the decision making process, mm. right? Trying to get as many angles as you can and and understand, for example. In the community, you're often going to have your most um, passionate players. But what about other players that play your game in a more casual way? What do they think? Do they think the same? Do they not? When you're developing a game, what does data tells you? Um, and and so on and so forth. So the way I sort of visualize it is as if you know you had this huge table in front of you, and you had all these different um, information sources or data points. And and you're trying to map out what they all have in common and what patterns they have, and and that can really contribute and enrich or inform in those that you know decide how the game gets marketed or how the game evolves and, and whatnot. Yeah, and I also want to jump in and say the 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 interesting part when you combine marketing, when you think about the overall funnel and work your way down. Mm. Obviously, the community is the, the the core audience where you really want to hear what they are saying and understand the players' uh, sentiment and motivation and any, anything that could come from that. But also not to forget that every every year or every half a year, maybe there's a new commu- community in there, like there because there are mm. new players coming in mm. all the time. And sometimes I can feel like you can forget about that. And you're only listening to those hardcore ones, mm. but you need to always go in and dip your toe in the community and really like, oh, there's a new uh, community segment in here right now. There are actually talking about this type of um, uh, th- this is what motivates them. This is what attracts mm. them when they see our uh, key arts, and this is what they like when they see our videos and comment like this. So there's so many different ways that you always need to continuously work with that area, and and I think that's so fascinating uh, of what you can learn, and and even even the surveys like. We send out like a survey with just um, answering to answer questions, and uh, as long as you're doing that and they're okay with it, it's it's a it's an awesome tool to use to to get the information. Mm. No, I think that's that's a really good point because uh, I mean the nature of the the business in general is that we are you know trying to extend the longevity of our games. Like we, I mean, we really want people to. Uh, you know, enjoy our games over, over a long stretch of time. We a lot of studios, uh, I mean, certainly the ones I work for, uh, do support the games over a long time. So that, to to your point, Philippe, like obviously the the amount of players will hopefully increase, but also will not be the same. Like people will sort of enter and exit our games uh, throughout the, that journey. So so I think it's it's a really good point about sort of making sure that we understand the community as it is today and not not sort of you know stay in the past or like sort of stay in in the mode of what the community wanted back when we launched the 1.0 version of our game for example so so no i think that's uh, that's a really good point may i ask a question go for it as marketeers and looking at data they are facts right so then how do you community is important but how do you then juggle those two things where you have the funnel which is fact and you know x y and z to be scientifically true and then community where anyone could go on community and say anything and doesn't necessarily be true so then how do you combine those two things to to answer a specific question for example i'll take it um i think it's a great question um i think i think it's i think there's a fine 
balance. Um, I would like to, I, I think I would probably summarize it in a way that data will tell you the what and players will tell you the why. So you can see a trend. Let's say the trend is going uh, up. Let's be optimistic. Um, but you don't know why. So, okay, for example, players players of this game are playing more. But what is it that we've done that makes them play more? And that's where, that's why I go back to the enrich or the, the bigger picture. Um, I think we're not, for example, other community experts, we're not here to dismantle um, what data is saying. We're here to contribute and add on top of what data is saying and enrich with the reason behind what's happening. Yeah, and I, and I also think that it's, the the I'm going back to the what I mentioned before. Like when you have a, a an awesome community manager, for example, they will be able to read the matrix code and and give you that information. Like this is this is the topic. This is what they're talking about right now. So when you have a great forum in the company where you talk and you say we want to do this, they want to do that, but they said this and all of that. I think that's that's such an important key to also someone who can translate the 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 lingo inside the communities on discord reddit or social media whatever it is uh, i think that's also something that's super important to get to to divide what like the specific data versus the the the, the soft words of what they're saying and trending and so on so yeah no i uh, just to, to tag on to that uh, i could not agree more about uh, the awesomeness of community management i mean that that is really I mean, one of the, the sort of many values that, that uh, a strong community management team bring uh, to, to a development organization or, or to a publishing organization. Uh, so I think without, without having someone who can sort of act as the, I was, I was going to about to say translator. So let, let's, let's go with translator for now <laughs> to, to, yeah, to really sort of help help the organization to distinguish the, the signal from the noise, if you will, and, and really sort of point point uh, the, the attention of the organization towards like what really matters. Uh, I think I think that's that's uh, very well put, uh, and, and and just just sort of tag onto that. Uh, uh, and then there are there are some quite useful tools uh, out there, uh, sort of in terms of well community sentiment tools and, and community management. Uh, tools that allows you to sort of understand the scale maybe of a conversation so you know typically they would surface help you surface keywords that being discussed and then if it's set up properly it adds a, a number to that keyword so you can sort of understand how, how big how big of, of a conversation is that but i mean all that is just that is just tools right like you still you still need the, the interpreter there to actually sort of help understanding what, what we're looking at yeah, let's not start on the whole AI and people losing their jobs. And yeah, let's, yeah that's, no. that's a different podcast, that one. <laughs> no, lovely. Thanks for that. That was really clearly explained and stuff. Totally get it. Makes complete sense. Cool. So, um, Felipe, should we move on to you and your question? Yes. So, I have a question that I think is, I think it's pretty common in a lot of gaming studios. But my question is, and I'm super interested to hear what you guys think, but... How, how do you act on insights from marketing activities or community input to improve the specific game? And it doesn't need to be like what the game is or what it, it's not like entering that territory, but how to influence the founders and game director, programmer, etc., just to be able to know what to prioritize or maybe adapt in some small changes in the game. It could be like cosmetics or... Uh, weapons, whatever it is. Like, do do you guys have um some thoughts regarding that on how to get get that influence in inside the company? Uh, let's start with you, Thomas. Mm, uh, well, thank you. I think I, I think that's a really, really good uh, question, and and it's actually it will allow me to keep on the community management hype train for <laughs> for a little bit, um, because I think um like I have yet. To, to meet someone in this industry who do not want to make the best game possible for their players, right? That, that is essentially why we are all here. <laughs> uh, but but it is super hard, and I think everyone obviously on this call uh, knows that uh, really well. So again, I think when you have someone who is uh, you know very intimately familiar with with the wants and the needs uh, of the community and is able to articulate that in a sort of actionable way. Uh, that that I think is is sort of the the key component, and 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 I want to go back to what I said earlier about sort of quantifying essentially uh, some of the feedback. That that is something that I think is has been quite useful for for places where I uh, where I worked, where you sort of 
you have an overview of you know the conversation that goes on uh, in the uh, within the community, and then if you are able to to sort of quantify it or at least in relative terms uh, to to really sort of pinpoint like okay out of the you know 20 topics that being discussed right now it is actually like these three bugs that it's you know sucking all the oxygen oxygen out of, of the of the room and it's it's basically what uh you know keeps most of the um the most vocal players animated like the, the this is what we uh, what we need to address i think that is a, a quite useful i guess tactic if you will uh in terms of um um, convincing uh, uh, stakeholders to to you know put uh, time and resources into into a certain direction because you know that is essentially what what you, we would be asking right to to make investment in terms of of time and resources in, into to changing X rather than uh, than Y and and then the, the more quantifiable it is I think uh, the the easier it is to sort of to make that argument uh, so I think that's my sort of my my immediate view uh on this um but obviously uh, curious to hear from you uh, carlos again is probably a bit more closer to this than than uh, than me uh, thanks I'm, I'm enjoying the, the community management hype train <laughs> um it's been it's been a long ride for me nine years in it and i've seen i've seen you know the evolution towards understanding the importance of community management being being even more relevant uh, as of lately um so I think for me, in in regards to the question that Felipe was asking, it's 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 all of it's it's. I'll go back again to the balance between data and feedback. Um, like we've seen, we've seen in this industry many examples, right? Of by like of games that adapted to what the communities were claiming, uh, and then they found out that once they delivered what the community was claiming, it was not really what the community wanted. Mm-hmm. And it, and I think it's a really interesting um, situation. Um, I have a friend in the industry who says that. When we talk about community, we talk about people, and uh, I don't know that that sentence really resonates with me because, in that sense, like we're looking at what content to prioritize or what content to adapt based on community feedback. Um, I think sometimes we need to be mindful of the fact that when we talk about community, again, we talk about people, and as people, we not always know exactly what we want or why we want it. Um, so when we think about the development of games or the decision making behind an evolution of the game, I think we always need to look at both um, data and player feedback. Um, and then talking about, as you were referring, Thomas, in your case about um, tools, I think now the industry and the in the, uh, the industry keeps on evolving and keeps on maturing. Um, so now we have many resources, um, like you know, we have A/B testing, we have player interviews, we have player surveys that we were mentioning before, and I think all of these options also help build sort of a more cautious decision-making process so that when we're developing games or releasing content, uh, we can all be more careful around the question of, is this really what players want? Because, you know, to your point, Thomas, again, uh, we want what our players want. Uh, and to answer the question of whether or not that's really what they want or does this really improve our games, uh, we need to look at, at that whole complex combination of psychology, uh, data, um, even, I don't know, anthropology, if you want. Uh, mm-hmm. There is so many complex uh, elements to why do players want one thing or the other and why. Mm. I, uh, just to uh, jump in, it's super interesting. And and the, the the famous quote, which I'm not even sure that it was an actual quote, is you know from Ford, like if, if I... If I would have asked people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse, and and I think that that's definitely relevant here. And and I think that that is interesting, certainly in in our industry, but probably in any creative industry, uh, because you know part of the the reason why why people like um, come and and sort of play our games, enjoy our the experiences that we that we. Uh, create and build for them is because they want to be surprised they want to be amazed they want to sort of be drawn into the world that that is being presented to them um so there's definitely i think an element there where you sort of you just have to take some leap of faith faith but uh, but probably you know you want to make sure that that those leaps are as as well informed as, as possible before before jumping uh but but i'm i'm definitely subscribed to making sure that like the creativity 
can never be underestimated or downplayed like they the, the, the sort of the creative vision and, and the idea of like, the experience that, that we want to make should you know be supported by the data. It should not be secondary to uh, to the data. Yeah, great answers, guys. Um, and in in what I kind of want to just jump in a little bit more deeper into is like I think there's also different areas. Like you have, let's take example, uh, Luna New Year's, like. That's because your target group is in mm. in Asia, whatever, or or or, and that's something where where you know would work for the game. But then you also maybe need to take how do you adapt that so it's true to the brand of the game, so it actually works inside there, and how you how you deliver that in, inside the organization to tell them like this is something that would help us both in sales also mm-hmm. to grow our brand in this country, but we could also do something really cool that would be appealing to the target audience inside the game. Do you guys have any specific thoughts around that? I, I'll go back to, to creativity, to what Thomas appointed. Um, these are like, this is a really creative industry um, and and all of our jobs, regardless of, of the specific field, always have uh, creativity around them. So. <laughs> I don't have a specific answer, but I think you need to put the right people in the room and show them the situation, and and let their creativity, um, you know, sparkle some ideas and and try to find that that very fine and beautiful line, um, in regards to that you know situation that you're describing. How how does that sit with the rest of the audience? How does that sit in game? How does that sit outside the game? Um, I think you you just need that creativity. Hmm. But it, I mean, it, it is hard, especially if, if you want to do new things. Like, it's all. I mean, I think we we all have all probably been sort of um, guilty of this, uh, you know, normalcy bias or like, yeah, we, you know, let's let's do what we did last time because it worked. Uh, kind of mentality, which I think is is so common in in basically all industries. Again, I think it's nothing specific to to ours. I mean, if nothing, if anything, maybe we are a bit spared from it compared to to other industries. But <clears throat> but I think. And I, and I, actually, in your question, I, I think you had you had the pitch right there, essentially, <laughs> Felipe. So so um, in situations like that, uh, I think one of the, the the key elements are you know essentially what you what you said right there. It's like yeah, okay, there's a, this is actually a commercial opportunity, which you know is is not uh, negligible. Uh, it's uh, something that a certain audience in in these regions, these markets, would you know probably highly appreciate and, and uh, would uh, sort of allow them to pay attention to our game in a way that they probably wouldn't have uh, otherwise. And finally, I mean, back to Carl's point, like, and there are really interesting creative executions we can do that, that fits our universe, that fits the world that we have, that we have established in, in our game and actually make this um, a, a um, you know, a, a, a proper fit to to that experience and without having to shoe, shoehorn it in um so but but i i mean i i, I take your point and, and i think yeah, we probably all experience situations like that when there is some let's call it like hesitance uh towards new ideas or new approaches that, that hasn't been tried uh be, before and and it is something i think the more sort of the better equipped we are to to help like our organizations we work for and work in to to cross those hurdles, like the better of everyone's going to be. So, so it's definitely a, a, a job that's super important. But, but yeah, I, I definitely definitely agree with you that that this is something that's not always you know a, a, a easy task. Great, thanks, guys. Lovely. Uh, let's move on to our final question uh, with Carlos, please. All right. So I think my 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 question to you was um, can act. As as a bit of an of an all round uh, space for you to to you know sum up a bit of what we've been talking about already, um, you know our industry releases lots of content, um, releases lots of games, and and the definition of success, which is what I wanted to bring to the table, often varies. So my question to you both is, when launching a game, what is a definition of success to you? you want to go for the Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I love this question when I read it because what I think is so interesting is that when you, but I my personal thought around this is like when you launch a game, 
it's also so important to set several KPIs depending on what you want to do. If it's like player engagement, retention, if there are any monetization uh, uh, goals or uh, having these positive players feedback and reviews that, that we want them to do. If we want to have that, build that brand equity with the measuring uh, engagement, likes, shares, whatever it is, depending on the platform. So I think it's so important to set these KPIs in the start of everything and then have everything aligned in the organization to those who are, who can impact this and then set like a, 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 a good plan on why we need to do it and as well execute it and try to see like, oh, we did perform this. Uh, this the, these KPIs did deliver and this is a success and this wasn't a success so we need to do something about it but I think I think I think there's there are also companies that don't actually think about setting KPIs just to benchmark something just to see that we're actually moving on at the right direction both in game and outside so I think that's definitely a super important key to really set that in the, at the start obviously that can be change in in on on the journey but to for everyone to just agree in this in the same room that this is what we are uh fighting for what we are what we are doing to deliver to also be proud to also keep that it's not just for the company to go well but also for the internally like everyone who has been working on the game and and spending so much time on this because this is a, such a unique um, industry where you put so many years on something and then it's just one day it's out and then it's like supposed to go really good and hopefully it has a, a long lifespan as well so i think just identifying all of these uh, and making sure that everyone is aligned and also understands them. Maybe they can be also specifically depending on the the different departments, but but also informing that continuously is also something that I think is important. But that's just my overall thoughts of when I read your 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 question, Carlos. Yeah, and I think to, to sort of follow up on that, <clears throat> I I was nodding in agreement here when you talked about uh, like just setting a KPI is a good start. I mean, it's it's uh, it's so true. Sadly, that there are a lot of uh, teams and organizations where that is not a given. And and uh, I mean, just just by making sure that we have actually thought through what are the things that we want to influence. I mean, that that is a, that is a, sadly a very strong start. So that's that's something I think should not be sort of un, unnoticed. Um, when I uh, so in preparation for this this conversation and when I read your your question, I, I immediately became much more uh, tactical and and, and detailed. Uh, so uh, so bear with me. But but uh, no, I was thinking. Um, from the context of you know our, our experience and, and on the PC uh, console uh, side and and the sort of the tools and platforms that we would be be looking at specifically and I think I mean Steam is, is, is an obvious one obviously that that is where we sell the majority of our PC games and and I think in terms to uh, to sort of KPIs uh, I mean the commercial ones are the the first you know the first step essentially so like how many games did we sell and then. In the Steam example, I think the the wish lists, the wish list conversion, uh, to me is a super important uh, uh, part there. Um, so that's something that I think um, anyone operating in the certainly the PC space um, is probably a, a KPI that should follow them essentially from the announcement of the game, uh, wish listing that is. Uh, so for uh, so from the announcement and then up until launch and then post launch of having a look at at conversions so, so essentially what you end up with in terms of commercial kpis is is twofold so you get you know the unit sales that was not wishlisted and then you get the unit sales that was wishlisted and i think they are important to to keep track of uh because it helps you inform a lot of future decisions for for future campaigns it sort of allows you to understand how i mean essentially how well you attracted the right audience in the wishlisting phase. So uh, if you end up in a situation where you had a lot of wishlists but not many, many converted, then maybe um, you were um, recruiting the, the wrong uh, the wrong audience, uh, for example. Uh, so I think there's there's a lot of stuff that can sort of be learned from from just those uh, those KPIs. Um, and then to, to sort of stay on um the intricacy of steam uh, for a bit I, I think they are uh they, they do provide 
with quite robust tracking in, in some regards. Uh, obviously, as we all know, it's it's a bit hard to to track our user acquisition advertising uh, because of Steam, but but Steam themselves obviously offer uh, some good insights to um, how players move around on the platform and particularly on their on your product page. Um, so that's that's something I will I look at around launches uh, essentially. In addition to how much did we sell and where, like how much was wishlist sales versus non wishlist sales, I also look at or who who do we have on the product page? Um, where did they come from? Did, did they come primarily from uh, the Steam storefront, or is it through uh, external uh, external sources? Uh, is it people who Google us and and then go to the store page? Obviously, that can indicate that you know our awareness efforts are paying off. People are aware of of us and, and then they seek us out actively uh, and so on. So so I would highly recommend for, for anyone uh, in the in the PC space, uh, especially to to really sort of familiarize themselves with uh, the data that um, the Steam offers uh, themselves. I think it's it's really quite uh, useful. Um, and then um, the, the next part to that is is the game KPIs themselves, the the, the telemetry. Um, and and I think they would probably have some different experiences again versus like mobile versus uh, PC PC console. So I'm going to be super curious to hear your own your own answer to your question. But but from from uh, my point of view, um, I mean there are some to me early indicators of the success of uh, of a game in terms of the actual player data. So you would probably want to establish when you think your player has been onboarded, like what, what is it in the game that they need to do for you to consider them to be onboarded? Like, is it, you know, is it finished the tutorial, finish the first level, like, I don't know, uh, and, and then make sure that there are hooks in the game to actually track that. Um, so that's something I think is, is really quite useful initially um, to sort of measure the success. Uh, and then the more standardized retention data, uh, Again, I think it's, it's uh, something that can give, especially early on, some indications of where where things are heading, like how your day day one and uh, day seven, or even maybe day three in between uh, numbers are looking uh, to to sort of uh, give you a sort of hint of how that month is going to play out, and then the, the following month. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, again, I, I'm very curious to hear from from the sort of mobile perspective because I mean, if me and Carl, uh, if me and Philippe launch a game every two or three years, you guys, you probably launched two games since we started this podcast. So, so maybe it looks different. <laughs> I'm actually, so thank you both. I think the the answers are very insightful and I love learning more about um, how it is from a, from a PC perspective. Um, the answer to, to your point, Thomas, is actually things are quite similar. Um, you know, the, the in-game metrics are, are very similar. Um, and at the end of the day, it, it's a product, and and therefore we we just look at at the usual um, metrics and, and KPIs to ensure that people are playing, people are having fun, and and that the game is really marketed as we expected. Um, but I wanted to bring because I'm, uh, besides being the the mobile person in the room, I'm also the community person, um, and I kind of wanted to to bring something that has been very interesting to me professionally in the last um years because I think some years ago this was not very well um, devised but now uh, technologically speaking I think we're in a, in a much better place and and it's to bring player sentiment um, um, I don't think player sentiment is an easy topic mm-hmm. um, but right now the for, from from my perspective the technology is getting better and better uh, and the idea there is to be able to put an actual number or a score and I Again, no, this is a very complex uh, equation to solve, but to be able to put a number on what players are saying out there about the games. So you know, be able to use technology to distinguish the tone, the content, and, and eventually to establish if this player talking is happy or not about the game, distinguish how happy they are. Um, and I think that's going to be interesting in the future. Um, I think it can help us understand not only how players play our games, but also, and uh, I find that very interesting, um, how they feel when they play our games, because players can play for a very varied amount of reasons. Um, and I think player sentiment is something that is technologically starting to to become more relevant, which is something that I'm excited about. Mm. 
No, I think that's super interesting. And, and I'm curious, obviously, about naming any names of platforms and so on. But do you feel like that you have now access to, to platforms that, that are good enough in terms of uh, determining sentiment? It's um, a great question. Um, the answer is that I feel it's getting better as mm. we go. Um, but there is an intricacy there that is not yet uh, solved. Uh, again, digitally, like technology doesn't have it, in my opinion, which is we can we can sort of properly define if this person is is happy. Um, but if we want to dive deeper into the whys mm. and get more granular, um, that's where you know that's where I don't think we're there yet. That would be my my short answer to the question. Yeah. yeah, big picture. I think we're I think we're quite solid in regards to you know positive comments, etc. Granularity of it. Don't think we're there yet. That's interesting. It's not just my experience as well. I think I think the like the the platforms that provide these services are getting much better and and quite quickly. So so that's super interesting. But uh, but I think you're right there. It's um, it takes you to a certain level, and then below that, it's it's getting a bit murkier. Yeah, and I'm just gonna because it's so interesting regarding sentiment because there are great social listening tools that can give you an indication what they are so so called. Now I'm quoting with my fingers, feeling. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but again, I think depending on the community manager or whoever is looking at this matrix code, so to say, they are the one who are going to be able to say that they are feeling happy when they're playing this. They're feeling scared when they're running from this monster they are the 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 adrenaline is pumping like crazy when they see this trailer i think we're it's about how you read the data and try to interpret it in a way and then just try to see if this this is the right direction and then try it actually on ads could also be mm. a thing mm. that you can try and see how do we actually box this into a genre or something to see if it's actually being um, clicked on or engaged or whatever it is. So, so I think there are hundreds of ways to just be creative on how to measure those kind of things to see if it's actually successful. That's uh, actually a really good point and, and uh, uh, something that I think should also be um, something that I, that I highly recommend as well, like using essentially performance ads to test out uh different theories we have um we can i mean you can sort of loosely say that it is a very actually quite cost efficient way of of a b testing <laughs> things in the game uh without actually having to put anything in the game i mean i'm exaggerating of course but i mean you can to, to your point there you can test anything from artwork to actually atmosphere you can certainly test different audiences uh, and, and that's something that i think could also be considered uh, underutilized uh, uh, sometimes so, so i think it's a really good point there Philip, to sort of bring that up that in, the, in addition to actually bring players into uh, into our games it's also a very good way of actually testing things out uh, before we want to commit to them fully and, and also bring and also bring uh, other people in the organization with you because they could also have specific kpis or and i don't want to use the word too much kpis because they will maybe want to use another type of word but it's like different people different stakeholder have different mm. needs of knowing specific things and i think it's about translating that in a very simple way to make them also understand that this is a good thing this is bad or they can interpret it in whatever whatever they they think but it's it's also like learning how to deliver that message again with the translation part mm. um yeah why and again this might be a stupid question why does it matter about player sentiment? So if I buy a game, I've already paid my money for it. Why does it matter from a marketing perspective, whether I feel happy or if there is something exciting happen that I feel exciting or if something scary happens, I feel scary from a marketing perspective. Why does that matter? I just wanted to say, I think that's a perfect thing to, I mean, for me, it's called brand love. Like that's where you actually connect with the emotional part. Of, of of a brand like when you have when you feel something like it could be like you get scared you feel happy that's the that's the true loyalty behind a brand when you get that emotion uh i i don't remember the quote exactly but now when the all these cookie things are re disappearing the only loyalty you will have is brand 
the brand loyalty behind it. So I think that's so important to have that connection with a player. If it's just that they're laughing on TikTok or they're just getting scared of watching your trailer or they're laughing because you're making fun of something, memes, whatever it is, that that connection is the loyalty behind um, uh, behind it all. Yes. What plus one? What you said? <laughs> no, I think that that's very very well put, and and I, and I think it's it's also uh, going back a little bit to, I guess, the most specifics to being a creative industry. I mean, I think again, I, I might be idolizing this a little bit, but in the creative industry, like we 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 make products for people to enjoy and and love essentially. <laughs> so so just the fact of like the players coming coming to to your games, enjoying the experience that that has been built for them. I mean. Certainly, like yes, we do not ourselves. Uh, I cannot write a, a line of code if my life depended on it. But I certainly sort of perceive myself as part of the process of creating these these experiences. So, so I think on a sort of personal and human level, it is it is deeply important that that the things that we put out are like, shared and 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 essentially you know appreciated and loved by by the audience. So I think it's definitely sort of an element to that as as well. Yeah, and, and and I think professionally speaking, um, both Thomas and, and Felipe have already um, answered it beautifully. So I just want to say that you know, as a player myself, um, to your to your question, Melanie, and that, that's that's what we play. Uh, that's 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 basically why we play. You know, we play for those emotions, whatever the emotion is. Uh, depends on the game. It depends on the time. It depends on the console. But why does it matter? It matters because. Uh, that's the actual reason why you play a game to feel a specific, in, a, in a specific way. And for us now switching back to the professional, to be able to provide those players with exactly what they what they're trying to get, and I think it's I think it's a beautiful thing to do and, and one that I definitely enjoy a lot. Nice. So before we end the podcast, I'd like to say thank you so much to all of our guests uh, for sharing their thoughts and, and joining us today. So once again, we've had Felipe from 10 Chambers, Carlos from King and Thomas from Systemic Reaction. If you are hiring for new gaming roles or you're looking for a new role, feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution. Um, if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message as well. I'm Melanie and you can find me on LinkedIn or email me at melanie.lindsay at evolutionnordics.com or you can visit us at evolutionjobs.com forward slash SE. So thank you again to all of our guests. Thanks you guys for listening and we hope that you can join us again next time.